Hello, Cathedral family. God is good. And all the time. It's great to see everybody out here on campus, wherever you're at on campus. All those who are watching online, different campuses around the bay. Thank you for being here today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. In fact, I am so fired up today. Watch out. I broke out my blue suede shoes, so I just wanted to give you a heads up, just warn you, things could get crazy. I'm excited about this new series we're starting called Profit Margin, how to narrow the margin between God and us. The prophets were the ones who spoke on behalf of God, and the books that they wrote in the Bible, that's the place in my Bible where the pages are stuck together because I don't turn to them as much as I do the other parts of my Bible. I'm not sure who are they writing to? What are they talking about? And yet here's what I've discovered. There's wealth in every part of the Bible. There really is. There was a young man I read about. His grandfather gave him a Bible for a wedding gift. He expressed his appreciation, but the young man was not a Bible guy. So he left it in its box and he put it up on the shelf. And for the next several months, his grandfather would ask him about it. How do you like the Bible? And the young man, he wasn't sure what else he could do. He had written a thank you note. Every time he saw him, he thanked him. And yet, Grandpa just kept coming, bringing up the Bible. So finally, one day, he pulls it off the shelf, opens the box, opens the Bible, and at the start of every book, there was a $20 bill. Over $1,300 Grandpa had placed in the Bible. And as I read that, I was thinking, what a reminder that every part of the Bible has wealth in it. And over these next three weeks, we're going to peel back some of those pages and take a look at how the words that we find there can narrow the margin between God and us. Today, we look at the prophet. He's quoted more in the New Testament than any other prophet he wrote 66 chapters that are part of his book. Some people say it's a Bible within a Bible. His name is Isaiah. And we're going to turn to a place in Isaiah chapter 6 that talks about an experience he had when he came to church. And that experience became a game changer for him. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, this is what we read. In that year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Could we read that out loud together, everybody? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. What's the big takeaway? The big idea for the sermon this weekend? Well, you were singing it a moment ago, so you already know it. But the takeaway for this weekend is really a prayer. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. 
I want to see you. Would you say that with me? I want to see you. Because when you have a vision of God, a picture of God, an encounter with God, that can change everything. Let's look at Isaiah's journey. It starts with a time of crisis. In a time of crisis, Isaiah goes to worship. Everybody goes somewhere in a crisis. Everyone turns to something in a crisis. When Isaiah is in a season of crisis, he goes to church and worships God. We read this in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a what? Throne. And the train of his what? Robe filled the temple. He has a picture of God as king. That the earthly king, Uzziah, had died, but the heavenly king, God, is still alive. God is on the throne. It's hard for us to to really get our arms around what a big deal it was, those first few words, in the year that King Uzziah died. Talk about a national crisis. Talk about national uncertainty. In that day, a king literally could make or break the nation. A good king would mean a season of peace and prosperity, but a bad king would mean a season of poverty and destruction. A good king and the land would thrive. A bad king and the land would dive. And King Isaiah, Uzziah, for the most part, he had been a good king. And for 52 years, he had brought his people a season of peace and prosperity. But now he's dead. What's going to happen next? And it's not only a time of national uncertainty and crisis. For Isaiah himself, he works with the king. He's a prophet. What's going to happen to him? If he has a bad king, well, he'll lose his job. He may even lose his life. Bad kings, if they didn't like the prophets, there are plenty of accounts where they would put the prophet to death. So here is Isaiah, national crisis, personal crisis. Everybody turns to something in crisis. Where does Isaiah go? He goes to church to worship God. And when he has a vision of God, that the king may be dead, but God is still alive. And God is on the throne. Amen. Let's give God praise. That's a good place to give God praise. Hallelujah. As maybe that's where you're at this week, and when you came to church, you look back on the week, and it's funny how life, you can be going along, and things are great. There's peace and prosperity, and then wham, there you are in a personal crisis. And if all you look at is the crisis or fixate On the crisis, it will overwhelm you. But in that moment, if you'll begin to lift your eyes above the crisis and catch a vision 
of God. That that crisis may overwhelm you, but it won't overwhelm God. Uh, You may have been surprised by that crisis, but God was not surprised by that crisis. The, The king may be dead, but God is still alive. And when you have a vision of God above the crisis... What if you're not here by accident or chance or habit, although coming to church is a great habit to have? What if you came here this weekend, God brought you here because God wants to give you a moment where you can leave here today and you can say, in the year of my crisis, 2019, at the Cathedral of Faith, I saw the Lord, and that became a game changer, amen. I know I was going to overcome that crisis, amen. If your world's been turned upside down, I talk to people all the time. If if you've lost your job and rent so high, 30 more days you're out on the street. Or if you went to the doctor and you, you know, the news they gave you just set you back on your heels. Or if your teenager's in a free fall and you're not sure if there's any kind of fix for this. Or you've lost a loved one and it's hard to see how you can navigate the future. I I can remember how a few months ago when I lost my dad, I wondered how was I going to embrace the future? He was my best friend, my biggest cheerleader, the patriarch of the Cathedral of Faith. And one of the keys, where do you turn when you're in a crisis? One of the keys was coming to church and worshiping God, and seeing that God was still on the throne. Amen? That helps you to navigate the crisis. What God did for me, God can do for you. One of the best things could happen today is for us to pray that prayer, I want to see you. Say that with me. I want to see you. So Isaiah, he goes to church, he has this vision of God still on the throne, even though the king is dead, the world is still in his hands. And then he has in this vision what I call a vision of perfection. Let's look at it as we continue in Isaiah 6. It says, I saw the Lord, he's seated on the throne, long robe filling the temple, he's highly honored. And then it continues, above him are these angelic beings, seraphs, Each of them had six wings. With two wings, they cover their faces. With two, they cover their feet. With two, they're flying. And they're calling out to one another. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord who rules over all. The whole earth is full of his glory. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, the sound of their voices caused the stone doorframe to shake And the temple was filled with smoke. If you had a vision like that, do you think that would rock your world? Would it give you a sense of awe? When's the last time you felt a little bit like this guy right up here? When's the last time you had a sense of awe? An article was in Psychology Today a while back, and they talked about the importance of cultivating a sense of awe 
in your life. And there were different people they quoted. They quoted uh, in the article, they quoted a psychologist that said, what awe does is clear away the inner turmoil with a wave of outer immensity. And, and a, a physicist had this to say in the article. He said, awe gives you a sense of existential shock. You realize you are dependent on something bigger than yourself. Oh. And then the Wharton School of Business, they did a study on articles that were sent out by others from the New York Times, and here's what they found. The most shared articles in the New York Times were ones that evoked a sense of awe. It's important for human beings to maintain this sense of awe and wonder in the human experience. And it's been, if it's been a long time that you're going through life, life and you just have become numb, one of the best things you could do to recover your sense of awe is to get a fresh vision of God, a fresh vision, a fresh encounter with God that somehow if your eyes are high and lifted up and you have an experience with the holiness of God, it has a way of evoking a sense of awe in your life. Holy, holy, holy. What exactly is the holiness of God? I, I found what I thought is a good description in a child's letter to God. I love children's letters to God because they're very real. Kids just put it out there. I found one letter that said this. It said, dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? <laughs> and then there's another letter. It read this way. It said, dear God, my grandpa says you were around when he was a little boy. How far back do you go? <laughs> and then I found another letter and I love this. It says, dear God, I do not think anybody could be a better God. Well, I just want you to know but I'm not just saying that because you're God. <laughs> no one could be a better God than God. That is what the holiness of God is really all about. When you hear the word holy, some people think of the word moral. And God is certainly moral. But holiness is bigger than that. It's broader than that. It's the otherness of God. It's the completion of God. It's that, that God is whole. Nothing is lacking in God. No one could be a better God than God. Has this ever happened? Yeah, let's give God praise. He's worthy of it. Has this ever happened to you that you're... you're putting together a puzzle and you come to that puzzle and there's a piece missing and so you look everywhere you look on the table you look under the table you check in the couch and you you know go check the hands of the toddlers and then you check the mouth of your dog and you still can't find that pistol that 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 that, that puzzle piece and it just drives you nuts and you look at the puzzle and it's almost done but it's incomplete something is lacking when you look at God, nothing is lacking. There are no pieces missing. No one can be a better God than God because God is complete. He is whole. He is holy. 
holy, holy. Three times the angels say that. When you and I want to emphasize something in a text, we put it in bold or we put it in caps. Back then, the way they emphasized something, they would repeat it. Holy, holy, holy. That the angels send us a message. If you want to know who God is and what God is like, here it is in bold caps. We'll text it to you. Holy, holy, holy. It's the only character quality of God that's mentioned in that way. In the Bible, you never find faithful, faithful, faithful. In the Bible, you never find goodness, goodness, goodness. In the Bible, you never find love, love, love. But you do find holy, holy, holy. And maybe that's because the holiness of God runs through all the other characteristics. God can never be less than faithful to you because his holiness makes sure he's perfectly faithful. God can never be less than good to you because his holiness makes sure he's perfectly good. God can never be less than loving to you because his holiness makes sure he is perfectly loving. Nothing is lacking in God. No one could be a better God than God. Lift up your heart and get a fresh sense of the splendor and beauty of his holiness today, amen, hallelujah. In fact, can we take just a moment, I wanna pause right here and can we lift up praise to God. Let's give him the praise that he deserves today. Father, we, we worship you, the beauty of your holiness, the splendor of who you are, your perfection. Hallelujah. We praise you for your holiness. We praise you for your holiness. We want to see you. Say that with me. We want to see you. That's the takeaway. It's a prayer I hope you'll live in this week. On Isaiah's journey, he has a vision of perfection. Then he has this vision of imperfection. We see in Isaiah 6, 5, it reads this way. Woe is me, Isaiah says, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Woe is me. Oh, no. There's this movie that I love called The Sandlot. Have you seen it? And in this one scene, one of the kids had taken a baseball out of his stepdad's collection out to play with his buddies in the hood. Well, they hit it over the fence. The dog gets hold of it. It ends up looking like this. And when he finds out whose signature was on that ball... Watch the screens. Oh, no. You mean to tell me that you went home and swiped a ball that was signed by Babe Ruth, and you brought it out here and actually played with it? And actually played with it? Yeah. Yeah, but I was going to bring it back. But it was signed by Babe Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. You keep telling me that. Who is she? What? What? The Sultan of Swat. The King of Crash. The Colossus of Clout. The Colossus of Clout. Babe, Babe Ruth. Ruth! The Great Bambi! 
is the greatest baseball player that ever lived. I mean, people say he was less than a god, but more than a man. You know, like Hercules or something. That ball you just aced to the beast is worth, well, more than your whole life, man. Oh. I don't feel so good. Uh-oh, bear, give him air, give him air. Oh, no. I Say that with me. Oh, no. Say it with a little attitude. Oh, no. Isaiah comes in touch with the holiness of God. And what does he say? Oh, no. Woe is me. He sees God's perfection and he realizes his own imperfection. He sees God's holiness and he realizes his own unholiness. And it leaves him feeling, oh no, woe is me. And maybe that's why we have this love-hate relationship when it comes to the holiness of God. We want to run toward God, but we also want to run away from him. We want to get close to God, but we want to keep our distance from God. We want to see God, we really do, but we don't want to see God. Because when I come in touch with his holiness, oh no, woe is me. And to think that this happened to even Isaiah, are you kidding me? Isaiah's the kind of guy that you'd want to date your daughter. I, I found this, this picture up here of a dad, and he says, I threw a shotgun shell at my daughter's date. I told him it's much faster after 10 p.m. <laughs> but I say, Isaiah, all the dads said amen. All right. So Isaiah, Isaiah's the kind of guy you would want to date your daughter. He goes to church, he comes from a noble family, he serves God. But even Isaiah, in the presence of the holiness of God, oh no, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, are you kidding me? Isaiah, if there's one area you should have it all together, you're a prophet, you're a mouthpiece for God, and yet you've got unclean lips? It seems that what happens is this. The closer I get to God, the more I get in touch with the reality of my brokenness. It's a little bit like this baseball and this light. From over here, when this light is on, I can see the scuffs and I can see the stains. But if I get closer and closer and closer to the light, then I can see the stains that are more nuanced and the scuffs that are more deeply embedded. And in my journey with God, at first, when I look at my life, I see the very obvious stains and scuffs that are there, but the closer I get to God, those things that, well, are more deeply etched in my person, they become visible. Oh, no. 
whoa, is me, I want to see you, but do I really? Now, sometimes what I do is, well, God, I don't want to see you, I'll just look at others. Because I can always find other people that I feel better than. I heard about this one guy who went in to see the pastor of a small town, and he asked the pastor to do a funeral for, his, uh, for this man's brother, whose name was Charlie. And he said he would give $10,000 to the church if the pastor did the funeral. But there was one condition. He had to call Charlie a saint. Now, the problem was, in this small town, everybody knew Charlie was anything but a saint. He was the scoundrel of the town. But the pastor thought about it. It was $10,000. And so he thought he'd find a way. He agreed to do the funeral. The whole town is in that little church. They can't wait to see what the pastor says. And the pastor gets up and he says, now, Charlie, all of us know that Charlie was a no good scoundrel who had the morals of an alley cat, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. (laughs) Pastor found a way, amen. When I start comparing myself to others, I can always find a way. But when I look up into the face of the holiness of God, oh my, oh no. And yet here is the turning point. Everybody lock in with me for the next minute if you forget everything I say, everything else I say. Don't miss this. What happens next? How does God respond to Isaiah's brokenness? In Isaiah 6, verse 6 and 7, we read this. Then one of the angels flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is is atoned for. Can we give God praise? Amen. That, that is the heart of God. What is the heart of God? What is the heart of God? We see it in that passage that we serve a God who forgives and cleanses, that we serve a God who heals and makes whole, that we serve a God who who touches us and changes us and makes us Holy, that when it comes to God, you don't have to be afraid of his holiness. You don't have to be threatened by his holiness. Instead, God comes to redeem us and restore us and to make us whole spirit, soul, and body. That's why it's safe to pray, Lord, we want to see you. Amen. Because God wants to make your life whole. Are you in need of the touch of the fire of God in your life today? Where there's brokenness, when we bring it to him, God has a way of making us whole. We want to see you. Say it again. We want to see you. And that brings us to the last movement. That in worship, Isaiah finds his mission. This is so very powerful. The Bible says this, that after he experiences that 
that cleansing. God touches the area where he felt broken, his lips, and transforms it and makes it whole. After he's touched by the fire of God, he's released into his mission for God. Let's read that passage from Isaiah chapter 6. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. There's a principle in scripture which goes like this. God touches you with his fire so that you can fulfill your purpose. God deepens your life so he can broaden your impact. We see this again and again. A man, a crooked businessman by the name of Matthew is touched by the fire of God so he can fulfill the purpose of God and write the first gospel. A demon-oppressed woman by the name of Mary is touched by the fire of God so she can fulfill the purpose of God and become the first evangelist. Uh, 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 The enemy, a hater of Jesus called Saul is touched by the fire of God so he can be Fulfill the purpose of God and, and well, he can be the, the leader of the early church. And then there's Isaiah. Isaiah is touched by the fire of God. He's already a prophet. But this fire raises him up to the next level. Isaiah had written five chapters. And in this time of transition, he's thinking, is this all? Maybe I'm done. Maybe it's finished. But he's touched by the fire of God released into his mission, and he goes on to write 60 more chapters. Isaiah wasn't finished. He was just getting started. Amen. He was just getting started. And this is a word for somebody today because when it comes to what's lacking in your life, that, that piece of the puzzle that is missing, it, it has to do with a sense of purpose that while you're moving into retirement, but you're not really sure, what's my mission? Or you're graduating from college and you're not really sure, what's my mission? Or you're, well, you're just kind of in mission drift right now. You're staying busy, you're surviving, but you're not really thriving. What's my mission? And the way God wants to meet you in this moment is today and in the days ahead, His fire of God helps you to fulfill the purpose of God in your life. And he can help you to recover a sense of mission today. In fact, I want to meet you to meet three guys. They're a living example of this. A while back, God said, who will go? Whom shall I send? And these three guys said, send us. And they started this nonprofit called This Mission. And tonight we'll be having a worship celebration and you'll hear more about that in the amphitheater. But I asked them to come and just share a little bit of their story with us today. And it's their first time here at Cathedral of Faith. And I want you to give a great big hand to Jake, Cal, and Miles as they come up here. Jake, Cal, and Miles. Yeah. Welcome to Cathedral. Hey, buddy. Good to see you, man. Hey, Miles. Uh, the good thing, uh, maybe a good place to start, Cal, would, what is this mission, the name of your nonprofit? What does it mean? Yeah, so about a year and a half ago, the Lord gave us 
this word just to start a nonprofit to fund mission trips for youth and young adults around the world. So a year and a half ago, us three started this nonprofit, and we've sent people all over the world to the nations. And, you know, about a year ago, we were filling out our application to become a nonprofit, and uh, we thought we came up with this amazing mission statement uh, to mobilize and empower youth and young adults on the mission field. And then we asked the Lord, like, Lord, you've called us to do this, but what, what, is, our, like, what is our mission? And he said that the job of the church is to equip the saints. Your job is to send them. So we just want to send the saints and get them on the mission field, send them to the nations, and just bring revival. Yeah. That's great, Cal. We love that here at Cathedral. You're getting excited about helping other people go after their dreams, yeah. and, and that's awesome. That's so. Now, now, Jake, tell us a little bit about, I mean, how did that dream come about? Yeah, so in the very beginning, we were given a Volkswagen bus, and we, all three of us were like, what, God, what in the world are we supposed to do with this bus? <laughs> so we started praying into it and coming up with ideas, and one night we were all just hanging out. And we were thinking, how cool would it be if we put that bus logo on some shirts? Or it started out with stickers, actually. And how cool would it be if we sell, sell stuff and uh, use that money to help our friends who are working so hard to raise money all year long and just hand them a check and say, your mission trip's funded. So that's kind of the vision that put that passion in our heart. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, yeah. man. That's, that is so great. Again, empowering others and... And you taking that step of faith. It starts with a dream. You took a step of faith. And now you're on this West Coast tour, Miles. And how's that been going for you? Yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. Um, we were given a school bus, too. And again, we were just like, Lord, what are we supposed to do with this? And uh, so we ended up converting it to an RV. And we've been living in it in the past, for the past four weeks. And uh, we have two more weeks to go. And then we're headed back up to Spokane. But um, our mission is just this summer is just to go to churches and host worship nights, and uh, we really want his presence to be our number one concern. And um, yeah, it's been amazing so far. We've seen people healed. We've seen people just giving their lives to Jesus just on the streets, and it's been absolutely amazing. That's great. That's, that's awesome. That's right. Uh, and you guys will give tours of the bus after service, right? That's right. And Cal, as you're sending people out, I'm sure... You, now you're starting to hear stories of how God's at work, and yeah. tell us about that. Yeah, so we've sent, we've sent uh, about 10 people on mission trips so far in the last year. Our goal for this year is to send over 20 people on mission trips, and just two mission trips like, really marked us as a ministry. Um, the second one was, like, it's really cool because we're actually not affiliated with a church, so we have a lot of freedom in the uh, trips that we want to fund, so we've actually sent... Uh, Christians on non-Christian mission trips and just be able to send a Christian with a group of non-Christians and bring revival not only to the nation that they're at, but to the group of pe the missionaries. Yeah. And that's super powerful. And then the first mission trip we ever funded was for a girl to go to Costa Rica to go into San Jose preaching the gospel in brothels and some of the darkest places in the world and just to bring revival in places that so need it. And the Lord brought us full circle and actually connected us with the uh, nonprofit in Costa Rica, and we're actually going to be leading a group of nine people into San Jose, into the red zone, preaching the gospel and working with minors that have been rescued from sex trafficking. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, Cal. Man, that's fantastic. You guys are doing great work. 
All right. Now, tonight, the concert's at 6 o'clock. Everybody's invited. It's out at the amphitheater. If they want to get in touch with you today or on the internet or tell them how to do that. Yeah, so we have a website, www.thismission.org. And, uh, but today, we're out right out in those two kiosks out there. And we actually funded our first eight mission trips through selling T-shirts and now we're at the point in our ministry where we've grown a lot and we're actually starting to partner with individuals, partner with companies, and we're, we're, we're on track to fund over 20 mission trips this year. And yeah, so we'll be out there and we'd love to talk to you guys, pick up a shirt or whatever, whatever you feel the Lord's calling you to. Yeah. That's great, Cal. Thanks yeah. again for stopping in with us. Would you let them know again how much we appreciate them and we're cheering them on, man. Keep up the great work. Here am I, Lord. Send me and watch what happens. Amen? Amen. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? The worship team is getting ready to create some space for us to have a meaningful moment with God, for God to start to answer that prayer. Let's prepare our hearts. The Bible says in heaven right now, in the book of Revelation, Day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God who rules over all. That the wonder and beauty of his holiness is so amazing. They just can't take their eyes off it. And as the worship team declares the holiness of God, I invite you. If you're in a crisis, use this moment to declare The crisis is real, but God, you're still on the throne. If you've lost your sense of awe, your sense of amazement at God and the world that he's created, ask God to stir up that sense of awe in your life. If you're in touch with your brokenness, bring it to God. And allow God to take your brokenness and make you whole. And if you're in mission drift this weekend, bring your heart to God and ask him to fill that missing piece in your heart. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty.
Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Everybody stand with me. What an amazing God we serve. God is good and all the time. Well, I'll tell you, it just, I pray that that will be your prayer all week long. Lord, I want to see you and allow his wholeness to continue to touch your brokenness. And he makes his whole spirit, soul, and body. And all God's people said amen to that.